You know, there are people just like you with all manner of mental health conditions from all races, walks of life, physicians, carpenters, school teachers, homemakers, people who've been homeless, people who've been in correctional settings. They all have something to teach. And that was the thing that I really wanted to get across. I would ask each person at the end of the interview, how is this to talk about it? Ken, this was liberating. Ken, I'm so honored that other people might learn from what I went through. The pain I went through might turn into purpose. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and calling in today, we have Ken Duckworth, MD. Dr. Duckworth is the Chief Medical Officer of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, and has worked with them since 2003. He's also the author of NAMI's first ever book, You Are Not Alone, the NAMI Guide to Navigating Mental Health, with advice from experts and wisdom from real individuals and families. Dr. Duckworth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Gabe. It's a privilege. You know, the, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or, or NAMI, is one of the largest national mental health charities in the United States, and yet many people have not heard about them or are familiar with their work. So let's go ahead and just start right there. Can you share NAMI's mission and purpose with our listeners? Thank you, Gabe. So NAMI's now 43 years old and uh, has education, support groups, has advocacy. You may have heard of 988, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline three-digit number. That was NAMI's policy team leading a giant coalition. There are almost 700 affiliates across the country. So wherever you are, there are volunteers that run free education programs for families, for individuals who live with mental health conditions, and support groups. So NAMI's an amazing group, and uh, I've been very privileged to be their doctor. And I always felt like the largest grassroots organization in America, ergo the world, should have its own book so that people know about it and we can help more people promote better relationships. It's very, very fascinating to me to hear you say that, Dr. Duckworth, because you're a psychiatrist and most people believe that to help people with mental illness, you just need to get them to the hospital. You need to get them to the doctor. You need to get them to a psychiatrist. And yet I've heard you all over the United States saying, look, we need resources to give to people with mental illness, to give to their families. And that's just, that's very much against the grain of, we just need to get the mentally ill people to the doctors. I like doctors. I am a doctor. I like treatments. I like psychotherapy. I like medications. You know, I like those treatments. So this is not an either or approach. But what it is, is elevating the voice of regular people. You know, my dad had very bad bipolar disorder and was a very loving man and nobody talked about it. And I was very impressed how secrecy and silence and shame impacted my little life and my little family. And that's the reason I became a psychiatrist. But I was always interested in what we had learned. We had learned that you could have a loving relationship even if you didn't talk about it. It wasn't optimal. Uh, we had a giant secret in our family. But I did learn that we could have a genuinely loving relationship just with one giant secret. So, I, you know, I went to Harvard to train and I got to the top of the academic mountain hanging out with a bunch of people way smarter than me. And I was always so impressed that we hadn't had anyone who asked real people what they had learned. All right, you've heard voices for 10 years. What have you learned? 
You had panic attacks throughout high school. What did you learn? What helped you communicate with your son who has severe bipolar disorder? This is the kind of wisdom that I had seen in my travels. And uh, that's why it was so much fun to put a book together on this idea, because no one had asked regular people what had helped them. What's very fascinating to me as, as someone who lives with bipolar disorder is I learned an incredible amount from peer supporters, peer support, uh, going to support groups and sitting in a room with other people living with bipolar disorder. But whenever I would bring this up to, you know, medical personnel and I would say, you know, hey, I, I, we really need a place to, to get together and talk about it. And when the peer movement started to get bigger and bigger and bigger and like certified peer specialists became a thing. The, the the entire world was like, I don't know, that, that sort of seems like inmates running the asylum. And I would mm. say, well, what do you mean? And like, well, do they really have anything to teach each other? I mean, isn't that bad if they're only talking to each other? And I would always point out that one, you're adding words. You said, isn't it bad if they're only talking to each other? Well, I would argue that it's bad for any group to only talk to each yes. other. So that's not what anyone said, but it took a long time for NAMI to embrace this. Now, they were never against it. I want to be very, very clear. But with the with the release of this book and, and with your media tour, they've really embraced this. Listen, support can come from all different places and no one is more important than the other. That's a really big change. Did you help usher in that change? And, and, and how did you get everybody on board? Well, certainly I would say, you know, as a psychiatrist, I always saw the value of medical tools and the medical model. I think it's helpful to know your diagnosis, but you're not your diagnosis. Like it's also helpful to learn from other people, other families, other people like you. I just had this idea that real people have been neglected. And so when I pitched the book, I had a chapter called The Power of Community. And in listening to 130 real people, I had to change the name of the chapter to The Power of Peers and Community. One person after another said, the person that inspired me the most was the guy next to me at the hospital. The person that taught me the most, I went to a support group at NAMI, and this person told me, use paper plates. Don't try to run your kitchen while you're raising a family with a severe mental illness. Focus on your kids. Don't worry about your kitchen. And what I heard over and over again was that peers help people to feel less ashamed, less isolated. So I'm a very both-end thinker. You know, I still like clozapine. Lithium helped to save my father's life. Uh, I went to psychotherapy myself to make sense of some of the experiences that I had. Again, I like these tools, but it should never be either or. People who want to build a life, find love, work, meaning, purpose, giving to others. These are critical things that give people meaning in their lives including me. This is my little life journey. I went through what I went through with my loving father and I became a psychiatrist. So I guess I would say perhaps I've been able, been fortunate to integrate some of NAMI's different experiences and thoughts. But as you can tell, you know, I'm definitely a both end thinker. I think families help each other and I think peers have a lot to offer each other, but that doesn't mean we don't need more psychiatrists. We do. It doesn't mean we mean we don't need more beds. We do right? We um, have to think about the whole universe. And my book basically celebrates the fact that real people also have learned things. 
Dr. Duckworth, I, I want to say it's very fascinating to me that people have this idea that people living with mental illness can't learn from other people living with mental illness because it's not how our society is set up. We have had cancer survivor support groups for decades. Yeah. We have the, the internet when it was invented, mommy blogs were invented and all mothers got together and that's been expanded out to fathers and parenting and where we share from, from the mundane recipes to where we vent about how children are driving us nuts. And I, I believe Hillary Clinton famously wrote a book called It Takes a Village, and she was talking mm. about raising children and building communities. So our whole entire society is set up on this notion that sharing information with people is a really, really good idea. And then mm. we get to people living with mental illness. It's like, no. No, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't talk to them. That's so interesting, right? Isn't it? Is this part of the stigma? I think my take on it would be uh, one of the reasons people who have a co-occurring addiction find such difficulty getting an integrated care approach. And I'm going to answer your question. Um, is that the addiction culture grows up around the peer model, AA, NA, ACOA. People are in continuous process of helping each other. The mental health field grows up around professionals. Freud, Jung, right? Schneiderian symptoms, Kreplin. These are professionals in the medical model. So I think we mental health have been slower. So I see mental health as a series of professionals integrating the peer movement. And in addiction, it's all peer-driven trying to integrate the medical model. So you might have heard there's some controversy about should Suboxone be, you know, given to people with uh, narcotic addiction. I'm just giving an example. And that's controversial within the peer community of addiction. Well, wait a second. Why are the professionals getting into the game? So I view this through a developmental lens. And I think part of it is also dismissing the idea that you can have wisdom if you are tagged with a mental health condition, I think you're absolutely right about that. One of the things that I'm always very, very uh, saddened by, and and I, I think that's a, it used to make me angry and now it just makes me sad. As, as we started off on this podcast, I mentioned that NAMI is uh, one of the largest mental health charities in the United States. And, and you pointed out that largely means it's one of the largest mental health charities in the world, and yet many people haven't heard of it. So keeping that in your mind, if the largest of something is largely unheard of, that means we have a lot of work to do as far as getting people access to care and resources and support. And yet in our own little movement, we have two sides that that are, are opposed. And I get disagreements come up. I'm, I'm not against disagreement. I don't think that disagreement is bad. I don't, I don't, I don't think that people not being on the same page is any indicator of anything other than people have different viewpoints, ideas, and lived experience. But yes. they're, they're vehemently opposed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. 
he does the show with me, Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com slash IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. And we're back with Dr. Ken Duckworth, the Chief Medical Officer for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. We're fighting each other, not getting on the same page, and it really seems like the, the, the fringes, the outliers, the people who have heard of us but not sure what we do, they're like, well, those mental health advocates are spending all of their time fighting each other. Mm. And, and listen, as, as a mental health advocate, there is some truth to that. Now, my big question for you, Dr. Duckworth, is... How can we get peers and and the the medical community on the same page? And the reason that I ask you specifically, Dr. Duckworth, is because your book covers both. You read it cover to cover. There's doctors. There's people living with bipolar disorder. There's family members. They're all there in one book, and they all get along and like each other. And and I want that world. So some of the tension that you're describing, NAMI starts out as a family organization, for moms who were blamed by psychiatrists for their sons and daughters' schizophrenia. So right there, you have several problems. The medical professionals are blaming the parents. That's problem the first. And so you could see why there'd be some suspicion of medical professionals. And then the people with lived experience aren't really brought into NAMI for another decade or two. And so I see this you know, as a continuous integration process. I think NAMI's much stronger on peers than it used to be. NAMI still respects families. And I've been fortunate in my role to build bridges with the medical field. I've met people who told me they were referred to NAMI in their first meeting with a mental health professional. And I've had people tell me they went to see 10 different professionals trying to help their daughter, and no one told them about NAMI. So this is part of our work, is to help people recognize These are free support services that are complementary to your work. As you know, there aren't enough mental health professionals. So let's build the team. Let's bring on people who might have something else to offer. So that's what I'm working towards. You know, I'm very much an integrationist with the family, the lived experience peer, and the professionals. And to me, that's the only way it's going to work. Dr. Duckworth, your, your book says advice from experts and wisdom from real individuals. Can you explain to our audience the difference between advice and wisdom? Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that we have undervalued what individuals and families have learned. But if you've lived with bipolar disorder, it's quite likely you've picked up a few things. If you've loved somebody in your family who lives with schizophrenia, I bet you figured out how communication can be improved. This is what I wanted to make sure in the wisdom from individuals and families. I also went to America's best research experts because I feel they also have something to offer. It's just different than living with something. The goal of the book is to integrate the idea of research and some of the treatments and what's the latest science with what it's like to live with these conditions and what people have learned from them. The integration is the goal of the book. It's a both-end book. Dr. Duckworth, I have to ask, what is your favorite piece of advice that you learned while writing the book? Oh, my. Well, one, the power of peers. Literally, I changed the name of the chapter 
I had a man named Lloyd Hale uh, from South Carolina tell me that when he was in a psych hospital, the person who helped him the most was a man sitting next to him in the day room. And I want to emphasize, when I'm, when I'm training as a psychiatrist, we're not thinking about what people are learning. We're organizing treatment. We're saying, okay, we're going to try this medication. We're going to try this psychotherapy. We're going to bring this family member in, right? We're going to do this, that, and the other. And what he let me know was that the thing that helped him the most was the man sitting next to him, which I just want to go on the record as saying, I was not taught that that was a particularly helpful aspect of care. One person after another said, I went to a NAMI meeting. I went to a peer meeting. And I thought to myself, this is really powerful. So that's a very big lesson. Another person, uh, a man from Montana, had been hearing voices for a couple of decades. He has schizophrenia. He's on clozapine, the best antipsychotic, as rated by the Food and Drug Administration. Many people get a lot of help from clozapine. He only had his voice in softened. And I asked him a little bit about his experience. And he said, once I really accepted that I was going to hear voices, and then he pauses, really accepted. Then I realized that I could enjoy my life. I had spent decades fighting the fact that I woke up hearing voices and I fell asleep hearing voices. And I didn't want that. I didn't want that experience. Once you accept it, you can move on with your life. This is very profound for people who live with physical disabilities, people who live with limitations of all varieties, that once you actually accept what you're dealing with, you can move on. And I just felt like that was such a beautiful piece of wisdom. And I just wanted that kind of message shared in the book. Really, I just think it was so beautiful. A hundred percent. I I've learned so much from so many people and talk and, and it's ongoing. It, it's not even a, it, it wasn't a one and done. It wasn't right. even a one year and done. It's, it's been from the day that I was diagnosed until right this moment, I, I'm still learning from all of the people around me. And it's, it's, it's exciting to learn something new. It's humbling to learn when I'm wrong, uh, but it's, it's, it's all exciting. And of course we have to model the way of having these robust conversations surrounding mental health, mental illness, uh, and, and addiction and, and other things that society just goes to shove down. It just happens to be a mental health show. And uh, that's what we're talking about right now. But there's, there's so many things that we only want to talk about in, in low voices and dark rooms. And we really need to start shining big, big lights on them to get people the help they need. Dr. Duckworth, thank you so much for writing this book. The book is called You Are Not Alone, and it is available wherever books are sold. I'm positive it's on Amazon because everything's there. But go to your local bookseller and pick it up there. You'll make someone's day. I also understand it's it's available at many libraries across the nation. So, hey, don't be afraid to check it out. But if you do buy it, you will be supporting NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And you can, of course, find them at NAMI.org or just open up a Google window and Google NAMI and whatever state you're in, and you will find your local affiliate as well. Dr. Duckworth, thank you so much for being here. Gabe, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all you're doing. You know, this is a shared mission that we have, and I think we're making a difference together. Oh, you are very welcome, Dr. Duckworth. And I want to give a big thank you to all of our listeners.
My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm an award-winning public speaker, and I could be available for your next event. I also wrote the book Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations, which you can get on Amazon. However, you can get a signed copy with free show swag and learn more about me just by heading over to my website, GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe to the show. It is 100% free and you don't want to miss a thing. And hey, can you do me a favor? Recommend the show. Share it on social media. Share it in an email. Share it in a support group. Hell, send somebody a text message because sharing the show is how we grow. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.